Welcome to the Breakfast Leadership Show, where we interview global thought leaders on business, leadership, and life. Here's your host, keynote speaker, best-selling author, and chief burnout officer of the Breakfast Leadership Network, Michael Levitt. Welcome back. I've got Jeff Perry on the line. Jeff, how are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. You reached out, and when I saw your information, I immediately said, I have to get Jeff on this show because in the middle of a pandemic, we have no shortage of doom and gloom, and the world's going to end, and all of these things. And one of the things that we forget how to do as adults, and we're going to dive into a lot of things in this, is the wonderful concept of play. So tell us a little bit about your backstory and why play is such an important aspect of everyone's lives and why we should make a, a, a real focal point to, to have more play in our lives. Yeah, sure. So brief history is um, I saw the movie Big as a kid. Do you remember Big with Tom Hanks? And then I started writing toy companies in fifth grade and I just continued to write them until I went to college and then pursued a career in toy design. And then I got it. I got what I wanted. I got the result that I wanted. I was, you know, I was at a toy company. I was really happy about it. And I was miserable. Like I thought it would be the perfect opportunity, you know, to achieve the results because everyone had always told me the the myth is that when I when you get your result, you'll be happy. When I get enough money, I'll be happy. When I get into this certain college, I'll be happy. And that didn't happen. And then I was like, what am I supposed to do with my life at this point? And I remember I was in New York and I moved to the Bay Area and I found a random job that had like seven people and they were just playing with Lego for a living. They were just teaching kids engineering with Lego. And I joined them and um, I just started playing. And then literally 16 years later, we had, you know, one of the largest Lego STEM organizations in the country. We had taught like over a million kids um, and we were running workshops for all these Fortune 500 companies as a, you know, for their, uh, their teams. Um, so I decided, I realized what the issue was, is I realized that most teams, most Fortune 500 companies had forgotten how to play. So I created a separate organization called Rediscover Your Play, which was all about igniting back that creative, innovative, collaborative, connective structure that made these startups awesome in the first place. And it all revolves around play. And the reason why play is so important right now is because we're living in such uncertain times. And if there's anyone that's a great model for how to be resilient, it's kids because they just roll with it. While when you look at us, if you think about all of us had a dream of what 2020 was supposed to be, like this vision that it had to be this way, and we haven't allowed ourselves to mourn the fact that that's not gonna happen and that we need to let that go in order to create something awesome. So that's what I do in a lot of my workshops is we first address the fact that the 2020 that you expected to happen is not happening, but you still can create something amazing if you're willing to be present and actually play. Yeah, when 2020 first kicked in, um, 
I was waiting for all the 2020 vision jokes and internet memes and all of that kind of stuff. And we had no idea what 2020 vision actually was going to look like. And, but to your point, so we have this prescription for vision and it's bad. It doesn't work for what's actually going on right now. So we have to change the prescription and by changing and introducing play in our lives is crucial. I think back to, startup days and this was during the dot-com era where the, I was part of a couple organizations or startups and we had the ping-pong tables we had the games we had the really expensive coffee which you know ruins us when we go home because then we're like that's that's where the home brewing stuff came in because we're like wait a minute this Mr. Coffee with all due respect to Mr. Coffee isn't cutting it it's like we want you know the the fancy cappuccinos and all the other fun stuff that we wanted to have. So those were things that are play. And even thinking about a fancy coffee machine, that's creative. Okay. That that's just not doing that. You have to measure things. Right. And it does a lot of fancy things in a way. It's, it's like a game and you're like, okay, well, let's do this. Let's sort this out. Okay. Brew this. Okay. Let's do the leaf or the fancy design in the cup, all these things. Now, some people may think, well, that's silly. And it's like, no, it's actually creativity it's play it's when you introduce play in your life and creativity in your life all of a sudden work takes on a completely different dynamic Uh, yeah i agree completely because there's something about the fact that when you're fully present and you're actually following your curiosity not like following what people have told you what to do, right? There's a lot of people that are shooting right now. Like, this is what you should do during the pandemic. And it's like, oh, were you here during 1918? During the last pandemic? Oh, you weren't? So then you need to just be quiet. Because like, nobody knows. There's no rules. It's all different now. So like, the way in which you apply to jobs, the way in which you like run your business, the way in which you like pivot, as everyone keeps talking about pivoting, it's just like, if you can be fully present and actually follow your curiosity, all of a sudden new ideas come up that you never would have thought of before. And if you think of like planning, right, the whole five-year plan, think about like the last five years and how you got to where you are today. It's like this, you can only connect the dots on the way back as Steve Jobs says, right? You can't connect it forward. So why are we trying to plan in a linear fashion when it's like, it's just chaos on the way there. And now this is just revealing more of the chaos and the fact that you need to be able to play through this uncertainty. Yeah. The, the play aspect, you know, when I, again, when I saw your information came in, I, I started thinking about the way I do things, the way that I quote unquote work and the things that I work on. And I make it entertaining to myself. Now, sometimes I can have music playing or sometimes I'll have a sporting event in the background and I'm, I'm, I'm working, but I, I've got some other things going on to add to the ingredients. It's like cooking in a way. It's like, okay, well, what can I do to make this dish pop a little bit more? Because right now it's kind of plain. It needs something. What, what do I have? And you look in your spices and you go, Mm, that could be good. And it's like, well, if it blows up, I can always call Uber Eats and we're good. So it's it's almost like a safety net in a way. Uh, and that's going into things with a, a playful spirit and attitude 
if more people did that, then quite frankly, a lot of the work that I do wouldn't exist because I deal with people that are stressed and burned out. And if people are not stressed and they're not burned out because they're enjoying life and they're playing through life, I'd be more than happy to be out of a job on that. I'd go find something else to do because it'd be much better uh, for society if we were in that playful spirit. And so when organizations bring you in and you talk to you know different groups and all that, what are some of the common, what's the word I'm looking for? I guess some of the resistance that you might get um, from it could be from management or it could be from staff. I'm guessing you probably see it in a variety of different places. Because I think my guess, and you know, correct me if I'm wrong, is when you're working with a team, there's always a few people that are a little hesitant. And yep. it could be just because of their own self-image, fear of looking like they wouldn't be this playful person and be you know, more open and, I don't know, maybe human then maybe they portray themselves in the office setting. So just be curious to see, you know, some of the insights that you have when, you, when you're working with some teams. Yeah, so when we approach um, a lot of Fortune 500 companies and just like a lot, we work with a lot of tech companies um, because we're like based in the Bay um, area is they first see play as frivolous, right? It's like an extra thing that you can add on. But when you tie it into the actual uh, scientific term of flow, then it's different because the whole idea of flow um, from the doctor of flow, a doctor Chiksai Mihai, is this idea that that when the difficulty of a challenge meets the skill set, you fall into this flow state, almost like this in the zone state. When some and you can tell because there's like a chart that shows this. Like when you first join a job, you have no skill, and the challenge is very difficult. So you're in a very anxiety ridden place. Um, and then when you have a lot of skill and the challenge isn't great, then you become bored, right? That's like Netflix binge watching or when you've just been at a job for way too long. But then there is there is a flow channel, a play channel, where if you're able to get into that, where the difficulty and the skill set meet, you then not only are able to like enjoy your job even more and stay more engaged in the work, but it opens up all these synapses and more opportunities for you to see and you can see the field more than if you're just fixated on one result. So we really help people to like fall into the process and fall in love with the process. And then also we use play to tackle really challenging issues. So like, how do you play with your inner critic? How do you focus on becoming more creative and collaborative through play? How do you deal with toxic people at the workplace through play? How do you create an anti-racist workplace and, you know, through play? There's so many different ways in which you can tackle really important issues that are happening in the workplace using play that almost reduces um, the... uh, the challenge and the awkwardness because we're all in a testing experimental phase. So for a lot of people that are like, no, I don't want to play. That's fine. You know, the great thing about play is the idea of like, you have to be free to play or not play. So we are just creating a playground where people can test out things that they would otherwise do in the real world or in the workplace. And some people will do it and some people won't. But most of the time, once one person is given permission to play, Many people follow suit. 
And yeah, it's one of those things where the, someone says, okay, well, they feel it's safe. Okay, it should be safe. And in creating an environment where it feels safe for everybody to uh, play how they want to play. Uh, it, it's, it's an amazing exercise in, in getting, again, into you know, the flow of things where those difficult situations and all the things you've mentioned are all things that a ton of organizations across the globe are facing right now with the pandemic and working from home stressors and, uh, you know, the Black Lives Matter and racism and the protest and all of these very difficult situations that people are facing. Play... I look at it as as an even playground, quite frankly. It's because a lot of times there's imbalance as far as perceived leadership and what uh, who has more power than other. But in the playground, you know, the typical right playground, you have an even playing field. Um, yeah, there's some bullies and there's some people and people hang out in that corner. You don't go over there and the smokers are over in that corner. I mean, I'm, I'm guessing you probably don't do that in your class, you know, especially with no smoking rules in the office buildings and whatnot. But, you know, it, it, it's one of those things where everybody can go together and they can bring their own version of play into the mix. And it just makes it so much more dynamic and, and things like that. You've recently been featured in the New York Times uh, and on, on this particular subject. So talk to us about you know, that interview and, and the article and, and what are the things that it highlighted. Yeah, it was interesting. I did the article or the interview back in 2019, um, and then I didn't even know if the article was going to come out. Um, and then the writer came back to me and was like, let's adapt it to COVID times. And I think that was a really crucial part of it because one of the things I really emphasize in the article um, is the inner critic part, which is really ha really important at any time, but really important now. So whether you're unemployed or whether you're at a job where you're like, I used to really like it, but now I don't know if I like it anymore. Um, and you're trying and you're having a hard time creating or doing really good work, you what we encourage you to do, or I encourage you to do, is to play with your inner critic. And how do you do that is you first identify that mean voice that is in your head. So whenever you're feeling bad and you don't know why you're feeling bad, you just stop for a moment and you're just like, what are the thoughts that are coming into my head right now. Let me write them down. Oh, I'm, I suck. Oh, I'm not smart enough. Oh, I'm not going to get another job. Oh, and you know, I'm, I'm never going to make the money that I used to make. Like just write down all of the mean um, quotes that you're saying to yourself. And then as you're doing that, also think about what that inner critic looks like and what that inner critic sounds like. And then what my um, uh, friend Marsha Shandor taught me um, was to then name your inner critic. Mine happens to be Gargamel. And once I was able to identify, oh, that's Gargamel. Oh, that's my mean voice speaking. I was able to separate that from myself and be like, oh, that actually isn't relevant. Oh, I see that's my third grade self that is telling me all this stuff to protect me because they don't want me to get hurt. But the fact is, is I don't need that right now. So I can put Gargamel in the back of the seat. I, I don't, I'm not going to ignore him, but I'm just going to, I recognize, recognize that those thoughts exist, but also recognize that those thoughts don't actually help me right now. And when you're able to do that, that frees you up to then be able to start creating more and start doing stuff that you didn't think was possible before. 
That's great. And naming that inner critic is a key component to it because when those thoughts start coming up and they come up sometimes when you're in the middle of a stressful situation or sometimes you could be walking your dog and the, they pop up in your head and you go, oh, hello, how are you? Good to see you again. Um, I'm not going to acknowledge why well, acknowledge you're here, but I'm not going to listen and take to heart what you're saying because that's not reality. Right. May have been reality years ago, but in this particular situation, is that happening right now? No, it isn't. And being able to work within and, and create a safe zone for yourself to be able to navigate through those thoughts, um, it's a big difference in how you can quickly switch back to a more happy-go-lucky state. And I think what happens with many people, unfortunately, is that inner critic starts screaming when they see all the negativity that's going on in the world and it just feeds it. And that inner critic gets more and more fed and basically goes to the buffet, you know, back when those were still open and you can actually go to a buffet. Uh, it was still you know, eating a ton of things and just getting stronger and stronger in your head. And you basically have to just say, nope, we're not going to eat that today and you're not going to do that today because this is actually what's going on in life and life is good and I'm really well. But I love the exercise too of writing it down because it helps get out ahead into paper and you can look at it and you can go, is that actually what's going on right now? Right. Is right. that true? And, and I, had, I even with my friends where we would text each other what our inner critics were saying and just getting it out there just changes the whole mindset. It changes the whole vibe. Um, so when you go into organizations, what's, what's a common thing that you encounter that you see with these organizations? And I know you kind of alluded to it at the beginning where these organizations that are really struggling with a variety of different things, but what are some of the you know, positive outcomes you've seen after they've gone through uh, and started playing more in the work that they do? Yeah, so um, a friend of mine, Eric Bailey, runs uh, a lot of workshops um, that are around a mindset. And he noticed that most issues teams are dealing with are about communication. Almost everything is about communication. So, for example, my colleague Gary and I run a workshop called How to Deal with Toxic People at Work. Uh, through play or how to deal with a-holes at work through play. That's the more, you know, you know challenging title. And um, what we found is that a lot of people are tiptoeing around the workplace. They are constantly walking on eggshells, especially now because of the economy. It's because like a lot of, there's a lot of cost cutting. You might have a lot of layoffs at your job and people don't really want to talk about what is actually happening. You know, people are just kind of keeping their head down because they don't want to be the next person that gets laid off, right? For whatever reason. And what we bring in is an opportunity to have hard conversations in an open way. And the whole play part of it is practicing what those conversations are like. So you don't feel as if it's like the first time you're having that conversation so that you can have an open dialogue and there can be trust built because the worst thing that can happen, especially now is for people to withdraw even more. So I would challenge any leaders that are listening on this podcast is 
is what are you currently doing to create a more collaborative, communicative environment, especially if you're working virtually right now? Do you see that everyone is withdrawing? And if so, then how can you bring them back together? Can you, is it that you are going to do it over some happy hours? Is it that you're going to talk to them one-on-one? Is it that you're going to ask them as a team, hey, what could I be doing better now to support you? And also, what are your biggest concerns? What are you scared about right now? This is a safe space. Just share with me so that we can get it out in the open. Because frankly, if you don't address their fear, it's going to affect their work. It's already affecting their work and they're not going to be as engaged and they're going to start looking for another job because they don't feel safe there. So we're all about bringing that safety and the communication through a playful perspective so that teams can feel more connected. I'm not surprised about the communication thing and what I'm seeing too. And you, you highlighted a couple of things. People are afraid to lose their job. So they're playing it safe and they're not producing. And from a management standpoint, again, ties into communication, you look and say, okay, who's not producing? Oh, okay, Jill is not producing right now. Hmm, well, we have to lay off 10% of our workforce. Who's not producing? And Jill or John or whomever is doing their best, but they're like, I don't want to upset anything so they don't give it their all and it ends up costing them their job. When they're trying to protect their job, they end up costing themselves their job. So communication, as always, is a common element in all of these things and creating that safe environment where someone can say, I'm afraid to lose my job. Right. Okay. Well, you know what? That is a true human fear. I've lost my job more than I care to well, I, I do admit it, uh, but it wasn't fun, never is. But it, at the end of the day, it's like you, you pick yourself up and you go get another job and you find something to do. And But especially during a pandemic or a recession or things like that, where it's a little bit more challenging to find something, you know, that, that fear gets in. So you, you either play it safe or you don't do anything, which, again, creates bigger problems for you than if you were just able to communicate in a safe space. I'm afraid of losing my job. What can I do to make it, I mean, this is bold. What can I do as an employee to make it more difficult for you to fire me? And and go into that. As a leader, someone goes that to me, I'm like, okay, this person really wants to stay here. All right, well, let's let's work together and figure out a way to make sure that we can do everything we can uh, internally to make sure that it's a safe place for you. So this is- And I would also challenge the leaders- and ask and ask the leaders, how are you creating a safe space even during these uncertain times? And also, how are you leading? Are you leading from a very ego-driven space? Or are you leading from a very from a more vulnerable, like Brene Brown, you know, open dialogue sort of space? Because frankly, that is the type of leadership we need right now. The leadership that is willing to say, I don't know what's happening next, but we're going to figure this out together. We're in this together rather than someone that is withdrawing and not communicating at all or just or, or keeping everything close to the vest because you're not able to then inspire your teams, especially virtually, if you're not being open. They can, they can sense when you're BSing. 
Yep. Employees BS detectors are strong. I've learned that throughout my career. That is definitely a case. So Jeff, I've enjoyed our conversation today. Where can people find out more about you and this awesome, playful work you get to do? Absolutely. And they can find me at rediscoveryourplay.com or my social media handles for YouTube, Twitter, and Instagram are Jeff Harry Plays. So J-E-F-F-H-A-R-R-Y plays p-l-a-y-s and then check out the new york times article about a uh, play it came out on monday but you i'm sure you can just go to new york times and type in how to play more as a grown-up and it'll pop up written by uh, Kristen wong and i'll definitely have that article and all those links in the show notes so jeff thank you again for reaching out and loved our conversation today hey thanks so much for having me my pleasure Thanks for listening to The Breakfast Leadership Show, part of the Breakfast Leadership Network. Visit breakfastleadership.com for tips on empowering your business and your life.